0: Hi, welcome to our sermon podcast here at Cornerstone Anglican Church. We are a new church plant in Chicago's West Loop neighborhood, seeking to participate in God's story of transformation. We're so glad that you're here with us today. What are you expecting from God? What are you expecting from God today what are you expecting from God this week as we now are officially in Holy Week? What are you expecting? Uh, I think it's a part of the human experience that we excel at misplaced expectations. We excel at having wrong assumptions about what life is going to be like. Uh, I had wrong ex- expectations about how long the COVID-19 virus was going to last. I was just so wrong. Um, I had uh, kind of wrong assumptions or misplaced expectations about how much work it was going to be to care for a puppy who wanted to bite you all the time and pee on everything. Um, I had wrong expectations about uh, how amazing and yet how uh, difficult marriage would be. Right? We all have these wrong expectations uh, that, that permeate throughout our lives. And this is especially the case uh, when we consider God. When we think about who God is and what God has done, we universally misplace our expectations and we have wrong assumptions about who God is. And we forget that the Christian life is actually a life in the shadow of the cross. We forget that the Christian life is actually a life of uh, crucifixion and resurrection, not unending life without death. And though we have these incorrect expectations, that we have these wrong assumptions, I think it's actually crucial that we see past them. If we see past them to the truth of who God is and what God is doing in our lives and what God has done, we can see that even though we may be in a season of suffering, whether you're in a season of suffering now or you will be in a season of suffering, when you can see past your wrong expectations to the truth of who God is, that season doesn't become magically better all of a sudden, but it becomes endurable because God is suffering alongside you. God is not a God who is absent in your desert. He is near and he suffers with you. We have, as a church, been walking through uh, this season of Lent, um, this season of a desert. Many of you are individually in seasons of desert, uh, seasons feeling where you have been abandoned, seasons where you can echo David in that psalm that was just read, and also Jesus on the cross saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of you aren't in that season. Praise the Lord that you're not, not in that season. The life of the Christian is to be, uh, to, to, as Nate says, to serve and suffer. You will be in a season of suffering. You will be in a season of sorrow at some point, and I say that not to frighten you. I say that to prepare you, um, but we've been walking through this as a church together, um, and our challenge has been to raise, raise our voice up to God, to trust God with our emotions, and for some of you, this has been actually a really difficult task. Uh, for others, it's probably been very liberating and and very healing and still for others you haven't really entered in you haven't really taken the plunge and now that we are in holy week and we are walking with jesus in his footsteps to the cross and to the resurrection i just want to invite you once again um, if you've not taken the plunge with the church to seek out the lord and trust god with your emotions this week because in my experience and in my own life god has not acted until i've brought him my complaint. God has never responded to me before I've actually asked something of Him. So whether it's uncomfortable to you or whether it's just, I don't know, something you're not interested, I would just encourage you, bring your emotions to God and see what happens this week. See what happens. everything really uh, for the last month of Lent as we've been exploring uh, with the church this season of desert has brought us to today, Palm Sunday, the very beginning of Holy Week. And we have um, been trying to really hype up Holy Week, I think appropriately. For those of you who have not been with us for years past, this is kind of like combining the Super Bowl and the Olympics and the next Avengers movie all together. Um, And it's a really big deal. And it's a really big deal, uh, not because it's the same old, same old. It's a really big deal uh, because Historically, this is where we have seen Jesus show up and transform people a lot. We're not just trying to squeeze more church time out of you, I promise. But this is where Jesus so often heals and speaks and transforms. And so as we are walking with Jesus through his final week and walking in his steps, I just want to invite you again and again to participate with him this week and participate with our church this week and something i love about palm sunday the actual story of palm sunday is that these people too had misplaced expectations they had wrong assumptions about who jesus is Some of you are really familiar with the story, some of you are not familiar. Uh, For those of you who are less familiar, this is a point in the Bible where Jesus has been going around and he's been doing ministry and he's about to finish his earthly ministry and he's coming into Jerusalem and the people there just go bananas when he gets there. They're shouting out, Hosanna, praise the son of David, Hosanna, the deliverer is here. They're going crazy and I don't want... What, what you know maybe about the rest of the story, I don't want that to cloud how you see this, okay? This is a man who is literally the son of the king, like the son uh, in the lineage of the kings. Uh, he's coming in and they're shouting Hosanna. They're shouting praise the deliverer has come. They're shouting help us. Help um, us. This is a people who are oppressed. This is a people who are living in Roman-occupied Israel. This is a people who have a nationalist uh, movement in the air. And here comes a man who can heal the sick, heal the wounded. He can feed an entire army with a loaf of bread and some fish. He can throw off the yoke of the oppressors. And there's even whispers that he can raise the dead. Don't make the mistake. These people had expectations about who Jesus was. They had assumptions, they had hopes about what he was supposed to be. And by the way, this isn't coming out of left field. There is a rich history in the people of Israel of God raising up deliverers. Think of Joshua, think of Moses, think of David, think of Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, Deborah. Think of all of these people where God has raised up a deliverer to save his people. And in every single case, the people of God were liberated and the oppressors were destroyed. This is what's in the people's minds as they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They had expectations. They had assumptions for Jesus of Nazareth. And they welcomed him into the capital with shouts that just a few days later turned into jeers of crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Because Jesus wasn't what they wanted him to be. Jesus wasn't what they expected him to be. And I don't know about you, but I come here and I have my own assumptions and expectations about Jesus. I think you have your own assumptions and expectations about Jesus. And it could really tear at our hearts. Right? If God is blank, then he should blank. Right? If God is good, why is that child suffering? If God is love, how could there be war crimes committed? If God is... Good, if Jesus really is good, why am I feeling so alone? Why am I feeling so depressed? Why am I feeling this way? If God is so good, where is he in the desert? Either God must not be God or he must not be good. I don't understand. I've thought this way. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't think I am. And I think this this thinking, this, this assumption, this expectation that is wrong, it illustrates something that we misunderstand about Jesus. And that is, Jesus came to fix what I want him to fix. It puts me in a position of, of arbiter of what Jesus should do, what God ought to fix. It puts my, uh, my know-how above God's. But the truth, the truth we see in the story that was read today Uh, as Jesus is coming in at Palm Sunday, the truth is this, that this king did not come in on a war horse or a chariot to offer some sort of political or temporal liberation, right? He's a different kind of king. He's a different kind of conqueror. His kingdom is a different kind of kingdom. And the manner of his salvation only comes through death because only through death can come resurrection, His liberation is a different kind of deliverance because his is a salvation that comes through resurrection. Church, if you hear nothing else in the sermon, I hope you you hear this. Jesus did not come so that you would not have to die. Jesus came so that you would be raised from death. Jesus did not come so that you would not suffer or undergo hardship. Jesus came so that he would suffer with you that he would actually be with you in the valley, with you in the desert. You might be thinking, well, okay, screw that. Like, Joel, wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better, honestly? Wouldn't it be better if, if, if things were easier, if I wasn't suffering? Yes! <laughs> of course it would be better. And by the way, that was the plan. I mean, Kate touched this on, on this a couple weeks ago. The whole plan was God created, and it was good. It was really good. And he created humans to enjoy that goodness where every created thing worked together in unity and harmony and love. And then the first humans and every single one of us afterwards have latched ourselves onto sin, which births death. By the way, new creation is coming. I mean, that's, that's where this whole story is going. The whole story of the Bible is between this, this garden and then the, this city garden that we see in the New Jerusalem. New creation is coming. Or things will be good again. But right now, we have chosen death. And there's not some magic wand that God is going to wave to fix all the sorrow in the world. He would either have to destroy humans, right? Which he thought about in the Old Testament. We see that. Or he would take away the very dignity that he has given us as human beings. He would take away and force it. God compares himself over and over again to a, a faithful husband of an adulterous wife, right? A faithful husband of a wife who, who gives herself away over and over again. Well, what is true love in that scenario? Is it that the husband would lock the wife away so that she could stop giving herself away over and over again by forcing her chastity? No, it's the husband who, who stands at the door all night with the door open, waiting, longing, waiting for her to come home. And when she does, he receives her with gentleness and love. This is who God is. There's one way, there was one way to save humanity. And that was Jesus becoming human so that he could take the doorway of death and he created a new doorway into unending life. This is the gospel. This is the story. And whether you like that that's the story, that that's how it all shakes out, it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't, church. What matters is that's who God is. And we have been walking throughout this season, into our own stories. Throughout the season of Lent, we've been walking into our own stories that that we would bring these stories to God and actually experience release, experience that the Lord actually hears us and knows us. And this week beginning today, I just want to invite you to shift your focus and now walk in the story of Jesus. Walk into the story of Jesus' life and resurrection as he has now entered Jerusalem and he's going to cleanse the temple and he's going to save the people though they don't know it because he is a different kind of God. He's a different kind of deliverer. And the invitation to us as a church is to participate with Jesus in his death and resurrection. That's what we're doing here at Holy Week. The truth that's better than our expectations, the truth that is beyond our wrong assumptions, the anchor that we can hold on to is that what Jesus accomplished in Jerusalem at Holy Week made it so that you would never again suffer alone. That Jesus would always be with you, suffering alongside you. Because what this story shows is that God did not forsake us. God did not forsake you. Instead, he put all of his money where his mouth is. And he became human to suffer as one, to die as one, and by the way, to continue suffering on our behalf. For those of you who love someone and have seen them suffer, you know that there is an intimate suffering involved with that. And God's love, it's ocean big for each person, each of his creatures, each one of us. And so his suffering when we suffer he he suffers in an incredible way in an unimaginable way. His suffering is incredible. And you know what I've learned church in my own season of suffering um, is that knowing that the Lord suffers with me doesn't fix everything. It actually doesn't make everything better. But knowing that the Lord suffers with me is enough. It's enough for me today. <laughs> It's enough for me to find community for encouragement. It's enough for me to get back to Sunday and receive the Lord in his body and in his supper and in his holy word. It's enough for me to actually uh, move forward. The reality that Jesus suffers with us is not so that you can you can feel perfectly better, but the reality is that as Jesus suffers with us and as we suffer with Jesus, we're walking with him in his death and resurrection. We're walking with him toward new life. And the grace that he gives to his church is to survive that season of suffering until the desert finally ends. So I'll close. What do we, what do, we do from here? Um, there is a time in the cycle of suffering, in the cycle of sorrow, that... Um, that it is appropriate and good to simply sit and bear that sorrow, Um, this is not that time. Uh, The season of Lent that we've been in and now that we're in Holy Week is a time to turn toward the Lord and bring to Him that sorrow, to bring to Him our deepest desire, to bring to Him everything that we have, whether that be anger, rage, sadness, depression, anxiety, bring that with you and to offer that as your holy offering to the Lord. And to participate with Jesus this week. One pastor I really, really like, uh, he says, you don't fight shadow with shadow. You don't fight doubt or temptation or fear by reason. And I cognitively think, okay, this is what I believe about Jesus. I'm feeling really depressed. I'm feeling really doubt-filled. I'm feeling really alone. But here's what I believe and I'm going to force my mind to submission. No. It's not how you fight shadow. You, you fight shadow like David with embodied actions. All right? You fight doubts with deeds. And that's what Holy Week is all about for us. By, by living out your faith, by, by praying and fasting and participating with the church in our worship services. And that's truly what this is all about. To walk with Jesus in his death and resurrection. To participate with Jesus as one body. So turn toward God. My, my one real plea for you, church, is to turn toward the Lord. Bring to Him all that you have. Participate with Him and with the church this week, through embodied action, like David, who, who wrote this Psalm 22 through it was, it was an artistic expression of himself. He did something. I challenge you to do something. Walk with Jesus this week even if you don't feel like it, and maybe especially if you don't feel like it. It's not, you're not fraudulent. You're not, a, you're not a fraud. You're not faking it. Uh, by walking, especially when you don't feel like it, it's, it's therapy. It's medicine. So walk with the church as we walk with Jesus Christ towards his cross and towards his new life. And you, you too at Easter can experience that new life. Amen.